Hi friends, welcome back to another week of exploring wilderness experiences that uh, people might, might be going through. And today I want to ask this question, what do you do when someone you love is in the wilderness or going through a difficult time? How do you help them? The video that you just watched was of you know, two friends um, and one of them having a really difficult time. And of course the other one um, prays for him and, and I think the video is meant to show us you know, that prayer can change things and does work. And, and I don't want to, to question you know, that scenario and, and why a person might pray for someone like that. That is all great. But the question I'm left with after watching that is, what would it have spoken to the friend who was hurting if the other one had actually come to him and spent time with him? and took the initiative to enter into his space, kind of enter into his wilderness experience with him. That's what I want to talk about today. You might be in a wilderness yourself and, and hoping, longing that someone would enter into that with you. And you might know someone who is going through a really tough time and maybe you're hesitant. So I want to relate a story for us today um, in the scriptures of two biblical characters and just draw out some learning from that. It's found in uh, the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, part of the historical books. And it's chapter 23, uh, beginning at verse 13. And Ali has read that for us, and you can look that up yourself. You can follow along if you like. But I want to just capture that story and, and some of the things that we might learn from these two friends, David and Jonathan. They are great friends. Uh, as far as biblical characters go, they are um, some of the best examples of, of actually what good friends are really like. And in this story, David is the one, he's the king, he's the future king of Israel. Saul is currently king, and uh, for whatever reason, Saul hates David, even though David has been part of his um, you know, inner court, so to speak. And Saul's trying to kill David, and David has literally had to hide in the wilderness um, to escape death. And while all of this is going on, Jonathan, who is son to the king, Jonathan, who is the next in line to be king, is actually best friends with David. And, and I want to track their story of friendship. But David is in, in trouble. He is in the wilderness. Uh, in verse 13, we read that 600 of his men, along with David, were roaming around in the countryside. Saul finds out where he is. And in verse uh, 14, we read that uh, day after day, Saul hunted after David. And so David's in trouble. He's not sure what to do. What's interesting here is David is a man of faith. And yet, even as a man of faith, he is struggling with being able to trust God. So if you looked at the beginning of chapter 23, uh, verse 2, David is asking God for direction on what he should do. 
And in verse four, he asked the very same question again, just to be sure. If you go down to verse nine, in a different scenario, David is asking God yet again, what should I do? And then in verse 12, he has to, you know, kind of check in with God again, just to make sure. And in these instances, God has given him direction. And yet, even though he's getting some direction from God, uh, David's in the wilderness and he's on the run and he's afraid. And it's not stated explicitly here, but I don't think it's unreasonable to understand that, that David's scared and he's not enjoying himself. And, and it's at this point in verse 16 that we're introduced to Jonathan again. And Jonathan goes to help David. We read this in verse 16. Jonathan went to find David, and he encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Now, it's interesting. Jonathan goes to find David. We're not told how he found David. We're just told that he did. And he says to David, don't be afraid. My father, Saul, who's trying to kill him, my father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home, and David stayed where he was. Well, we're first introduced to Jonathan in chapter 18, uh, beginning at verse 1. You can read the first few verses there and see that, that Jonathan and David had a special bond between them. They just became great friends instantly. And then all the trouble begins between Saul and David. And if you go to chapter 20, you can read about how Jonathan helps David initially this time. And and several times throughout chapter 18 and in chapter 20, and here again in chapter 23, verse 18, we read that the two of them, they made a covenant, or some uh, some translations will say a solemn pact. The word is... Um, the best way I understand it is to talk about a covenant. And a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is a, a relation. It's, a, it's an agreement between two people based on their relationship. So it's a very relational agreement as opposed to just a, a legal document or a legal agreement between two people. And here in this chapter, David is scared. David is on the run. David is in the wilderness. And Jonathan, who is son to the king, could have sent a note to him to say, hey, hang in there. I'm praying for you. Or just sent him a note to try to encourage him. But Jonathan actually enters into the wilderness with him. And he does this while his father is hunting David. So I think there's some, there's some risk, implied risk here. But Jonathan goes to David, where David is at. And we read that he encouraged David. And, and it's, it's just, I want to say it's so encouraging to see how he encourages David. And, and as I look at this, I think, how, how did he encourage David? What did he actually do to help David? I want to pick up on the idea of presence and solidarity. The very fact that Jonathan goes to be with David is all about presence. Having a presence in someone's life 
and being comfortable with simply being with them. You know, I think often of uh, people who are grieving, which is a type of wilderness experience. They've lost something. It might be a loved one. It could be a job. It could be some type of a struggle. And they're grieving. And somebody comes and just sits with them. You know, there's another story in Scripture about a guy named Job. And and the book in the Old Testament is actually um, called the book of Job. And it's about a guy who's going through an awful experience. His life is hell. And some of his friends come, and they don't behave the way that you would want friends to. And you can read the story. It's a long read, but it is a fascinating story. But there's something about presence, something about somebody who's willing to come and sit with you. Bring a, bring a coffee, and just to be with you. Presence is often about solidarity. When we enter into somebody's world, when we enter into somebody's situation, when we enter into their reality and we be with them, the power of that is in many ways immeasurable. And I think of the people who have done that for me in my life, who didn't come with answers who didn't come with a whole bunch of uh, leading questions trying to get me to do what they want by asking questions that will just lead me to where they want to go. They just came and, and they spent time with me. And they just acknowledged, you know, hey, it really sucks what you're going through right now. And I love the fact that Jonathan in this story went to David. So I think he encouraged him hugely by his presence. I think he encouraged him by his words. And we read here, Jonathan says to him, you know, well, we're told that he encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. And then he says to him, don't be afraid. My father will never find you. You are going to be king. And I think what Jonathan does here, both with his presence and with his words, is he helps David to recenter himself in God or or in his faith. And I think he does this by reframing David's perspective. The reality is when we are, often when we are going through difficult times, if you're the one who's, would say, I'm having a wilderness experience right now. It is very hard to stay centered in uh, and grounded in reality. And often our thinking gets skewed. And it is, it is friends like Jonathan that allow us to reframe our perspective. And so I think here David is on the run and he's just thinking, there's no way I'm going to get out of this. And Jonathan comes to him and just reminds him, My father is not going to find you. You are going to be king. Do not forget what God had already said to you and done for you. And he he just gets David to refocus his attention on God. And there's something hugely valuable in that. So I recognize that Many of you are watching and you have a faith in God. 
And, and there are times in your life when you've needed someone to just help you reframe your perspective, to turn your eyes to God. And, and there are some of you that are watching that you're not sure where you're at um, as it relates to things like God. But you are aware of your spirituality. And there are times when our friends need to help us refocus And to see things clearly. And that's what Jonathan does here for David. And it's absolutely fascinating how he does that. And then they, they renew their covenant with each other. And it's this, this um, strong commitment relationally to be there for one another. And there's something very powerful about doing a covenant or making a solemn pact. And... Uh, and I think it's worth pondering that, how we might translate that into today's culture. What does it mean for you to be in a covenant relationship with someone else, particularly someone who's going through a hard time? And here's one other thing I want to pick up on in this story. As you read through the story, Jonathan um, encourages David, then he goes on his way. And, and what's fascinating is, Things don't really change for David. Saul is still after him. Saul is still chasing him. And he has to move around from place to place, uh, hiding out in the desert. And yet eventually, near the end of this episode, we read that um, Saul gets called back. And the author um, doesn't actually attribute that to God. But again, you can see God at work in this scene. And where David was hiding out on a mountain is actually that place is named the Rock of Escape. And near the end of it, you see that things do start to change for him, but not right away. It's not like the friend came, Jonathan came, and he encouraged David. David cheered up. Everything came out fine. Uh, Jonathan left, and David was still in this wilderness experience. And I just think there's something that we need to pay attention to there. That, um, you know, going to be with someone in the wilderness doesn't necessarily mean that suddenly all of their life is going to get better and change. But what it does mean is that they don't have to go through that alone. And they know that because you're there for them. A lot of this story reminds me of, of something Jesus did for his, uh, for his earliest followers uh, when they were following him. See, and I want to make a distinction here between the historical Jesus that we often think about and we see him as a figure who walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And I want to um, kind of hold that alongside of what Jesus actually says in the scriptures, which is a reminder that he is not just the Jesus of history, that he is the Jesus who is alive and with us today. So in Matthew 28, um, and, and I, think this, I think this story of David and Jonathan is, is pointing us wonderfully to what Jesus brings for us uh, as we look at his life. In Matthew 28, the very end of his life, uh, in fact, it's the, the last words that Matthew records of Jesus speaking to his followers. Jesus has been with them for three years in person, in physical form. 
And of course, he's been crucified, and then he has risen from the dead, and these earliest followers have seen him numerous times. And this is what changed their world, is that he didn't stay dead. Uh, They saw his grave, but now they see him alive. And the last thing Jesus says to them is, I am with you, or I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And there's this reassurance from Jesus of his presence for his followers. If we could jump over to John chapter 14, these are the words that John records of Jesus speaking to his followers just before his crucifixion. And he says to them in John 14 uh, verse 15, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another counselor who is just like me, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then just a a little bit later, uh, Jesus says to his followers, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And there's this wonderful assurance from Jesus for not only these first followers, but for all who would come after them. And that includes me and that includes you. Of Jesus saying, I am with you. I am always with you. And I will not leave you. Like Jonathan went to David, Jesus is saying, I will come to you. Wherever you are at, I will be with you. And in verse 26, Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, John 14, verse 26, He will teach you everything and He will remind you of everything that I have told you. You see, we tend to think of Jesus as a person of history. And what that does is we keep Him in the past. And we think of Jesus, the human who's who's walking around with his earliest followers. But what Jesus does here is he reframes our perspective and says, hang on a minute. I'm not just in the past. I could only, in person, I could only be with a few person. But now that I am coming in the, in the form of the Spirit, I'm available for everyone at any time. So wherever you are, I am with you. Whatever you are going through, I am with you. And remember what I've said to you. Jonathan helped David remember what God had done. Jonathan helped David reframe his reality and refocus or recenter himself on God. And Jesus is saying, I will be with you. And you can refocus, you can reframe. And I'll remind you of what I've told you. And that is, you are not alone. And I am here for you. And I am here with you. And then in the very next chapter in John 15, Jesus says to them, you know, I've told you what God is doing. And that means you're my friends. You're not just servants because a servant doesn't really know what the master's business is all about. But this is um, starting at John 15 verse 9 and then going down. But Jesus says, I've told you these things because you're my friends. Like Jonathan had to tell David what what the king was up to, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to tell you what God is up to. And what God is up to is about changing this world, about seeing his kingdom establish and grow and everyone to come into that kingdom through Christ, through what I have done for you, says Jesus. 
And so for me, the story of Jonathan and David is a wonderful story that just points us forward to Jesus as our friend, as our uh, savior, as our redeemer, as one who would set things right, as one who would never leave us. So how do you help someone going through a wilderness experience? And the one thing that, uh, if I could just uh, highlight this, the one thing that comes up again and again right now is the, is the increase in, in uh, the mental health challenges that so many people are experiencing. Uh, just today, listening to the news, hearing about uh, healthcare workers just being burnt out and feeling devastated uh, and teachers that are feeling the same way and other people that are out of work. And there are so many people that I think feel like they're in the wilderness. They're, they're alone. They don't know what to do. And as their friend, you're wondering, how do you help them? I think Jonathan's story is a great place to start about the reminder about presence and about encouragement, helping someone reframe their perspective to recenter themselves on Jesus. And we could say, hey, I am praying for you. And that might be the exactly appropriate thing for you to do with a friend. But I wonder if there's someone in your life who you know is, is really in the wilderness, what it would be like for them if you went to them. And, and that might actually be somehow figuring out how could I physically be present with you and yet safe and distance at this time in a way that's appropriate. It might just be daily phone calls. It might just, be, might just be regular updates, checking in. How are you doing? What's going on today? What would that be like for them? And I want to encourage you that it is a privilege to enter into someone's wilderness to be with them. So go there. As we talk about wilderness experiences, I want to invite you at this point that if you have a question, a burning question uh, related to helping someone in the wilderness, please feel free to ask that question. We're going to put an email up here, connect at newlifecollingwood.com. You could send your question in there and, and ask like, hey, you know, I'm just looking for some guidance here. Or maybe you'd like prayer because you feel like you're in the wilderness and you're all alone and there is nobody. And you just want to say, hey, I'm just reaching out looking for help. Then here's this email, prayer at newlifecollingwood.com. Send that little note and someone will follow up with you. I want to finish by letting you know something that we're doing here at New Life that I'm excited about. And that is literally trying to create scenarios where, where friends can be together so that they don't have to be alone in the wilderness. And it is around the area of mental health. So over the last number of months, um, many months actually, but the last two or three months, I guess about three, uh, we've had uh, five people go through training with uh, a psychotherapist on developing a system of support groups for people with lived experience of anxiety or depression. And as they've gone through the training, we've got to the point now where uh, in the next number of weeks, uh, early in, uh, in the winter here, or I guess mid, mid to late February, we want to launch a pilot group uh, of support for, uh, for those with anxiety and depression. 
And what we're looking for are a few people that uh, might be willing to try the pilot group uh, with our gang that have been doing the training so that they can run through this uh, and, and just um, get uh, regular feedback about what's working, what's not working, so that as we run through it the first time uh, in a safe way with some of you that would be willing to go through that with them, then we can broaden uh, the scope and offer that to many more people in our region who could be part of those groups. So if you would be interested in doing that, again, connect at newlifecollingwood.com and just in the subject line, write um, support groups. And then let us know that you're interested in being part of that. If you have a lived experience with anxiety or depression and you would be willing to journey through this pilot program with them, it will be a Zoom experience. It's meant to be in person, but we've had to adjust in this area like everything else. So it will be on Zoom. And uh, if you just let us know that you're interested, someone will follow up with you. And if that's something that you'd like to be a part of down the road, uh, in the video description down below, uh, you can look at the link for that and get your name on a list for some of the subsequent groups that will happen uh, kind of regionally in different areas as this gains momentum. I'm excited about it and, and I want you to know about it that as a congregation, we're not just saying, hey, go and help your friends. We're actually saying we want to do this together as a community. And this has been snowballing and developing and, and I'm sure it's going to meet a huge need in our community. And it is risky, just like Jonathan risked going to help David. We're willing to take that risk to enter into people's challenges, wilderness experiences, so that we might come alongside them and be with them and help them. So I, I pray that this has been encouraging for you today and, uh, and inspiring and um, that it will give you a little bit of help in knowing what you can do for someone that you love who's having a wilderness experience. Father God, give us the courage to enter into the wilderness of someone that we love. I'm reminded, Jesus, that you laid down your life for us and you've called us to do the very same thing as an act of love. When you said greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Give us the courage today to enter into the wilderness with someone, to walk alongside them. Give us the courage today that if we are in the wilderness, that we'd have the courage and enough to be vulnerable and say, I need help and reach out to a friend and ask them. And may that friend respond in an appropriate and loving way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I forgot to turn off the cuckoo clock again. So one week I get photobombed by the dog, and last week it was the cuckoo clock, and here it is again today. So one of these days I will get this right and uh, and set things up but hey this is the reality of of being at home and being safe and uh, thank you for listening today hope that this has been encouraging for you we'll see you next week